Hello there, and welcome to episode 10 of the Soulcast. We have a guest with us today, the great and powerful Mike Medici, physical, intellectual, social, and artistic development for the modern Renaissance man. We had a great conversation about training, diet, supplementation, sleep, as well as just self-improvement in general. Uh, we had a great discussion, so I hope you enjoy. I know I did, and please welcome Mike Medici. I think maybe we should, maybe we could just step back a second instead of like dive, maybe talk about like training philosophy, I guess. And, and uh, one thing I think a lot of people miss is what's important, especially like I think one of the most recent things has been this this bigger trend of uh, the keto diet stuff, right? And this this focus focus on focus on the blood sugar, not spiking the blood sugar and stuff like that. And and I think that's gr- like great and all. And actually, I think I think you're probably a little closer to keto than I than I am. You do a lot of the sourdough toast and and potatoes and stuff. But I mean, I probably eat, I eat tons of carbs. I eat more processed foods than you. Like I do, I do protein pancakes pretty much every morning. That's that's kind of like my go-to, right? But I think people start looking at trees instead of forests on that kind of stuff. And the number one thing that, in my opinion, that matters is getting as much muscle mass as possible, right? So obviously, second second after not being obese, right? As long as you're not obese, the next goal is okay. How can I get as much muscle mass as possible? And I think that generally. Uh, on average, most people are going to do better with gaining muscle mass when eating a decent amount of carbs. I, I think you, right. So I think you can't, you, I'm not saying you can't gain muscle in keto, but there's a reason that every single bodybuilder eats massive amount of carbs. Every single natural bodybuilder eats massive amount of carbs. You're going to have better training sessions. It's easier to get to into calorie surplus. Mm-hmm. And you're just gonna have better energy level overall. I don't know. If, do you, you think you agree with that? Oh, 100 percent, man. Like my thing is with with training is like if you want to gain muscle, look at the guys that have the most amount of muscle and kind of copy what they do. It's it's a principle that you can apply to kind of everything. You know, who has the most money? Do what they're doing to make the most money. Who has the most muscle? The bodybuilders, and they're eating you know 500, 600 grams of carbohydrates a day just to keep themselves going. You know, I, I see carbohydrates as the kind of the, the fuel that you top up your body with. Uh, so if you're not expending or using that amount of fuel, you don't have the muscle mass in your body. You don't need hundreds and hundreds of grams of carbohydrates, but you do need some level to fuel yourself, like you said, to have better training sessions um, and also to ref- refill those muscle glycogen levels. Um, you know, that's right. the energy that your muscles need uh, to work out. Um I think that, you know, having fruit, sourdough, white rice, potatoes, they're all fairly clean sources of carbs. Um, you don't have to have the mass gainers and, you know, the, the full of the right. processed sugars and things like that. I think you should stay away from those carbohydrate sources. But being afraid of carbs because, you know, you think that's going to spike the, the blood sugar too much. You know, your body uses carbohydrates for a reason. Uh, blood glucose is required. It's the main source of energy for the brain. So if you're low on carbs as well, you're probably going to see some kind of mental fatigue to some degree. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think they've been unfairly demonized uh, in the in the Twitter sphere, at least, uh, over the last you know, a few months. So I think it's good yeah. to talk about the benefit of them as well. 
Yeah, I agree. I think you. I think one of your t- tweets, or maybe you mentioned it on the a previous podcast, was that the way you kind of manipulate things is by manipulating carbs, and I think that's the perfect way to go about it, yeah. right? So when I'm, I, I never really change the amount of protein I eat. Yeah. And then I just, I just lower and raise my carbs, and I mean sometimes my fats will be higher, and then I'll just take out of my carbs. But mostly I'm just manipulating carbs up and down yeah. to go from surplus to deficit. But I think I think it's really and the reason I've I've kind of been harping on it on Twitter a lot lately that like you need to eat carbs you shouldn't be fasting stuff like that is yeah. I spent I spent four or five years like trying to be lean or whatever right yeah. you know like you you figure you figure out how to get lean for the first time and have abs year round and you're like holy shit this is awesome I don't want to I don't want to be <laughs> big again yeah but but in reality I probably should have been spending especially like the first five years of my twenties, like I should have just been spending that in a surplus trying to get as much muscle as possible. And so really like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of picking on the keto people when I say this kind of stuff, but really the point I'm trying to make is, is that the, you're, you're missing the, the goal and the goal should be to get as much muscle as possible as you can. And then you could kind of do whatever you want, but that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Right. To, to look the way you want to look. And actually I'd say for general health and longevity, the more muscle mass you have, Obviously, up to a limit. We're not talking about people who are heavily dosing insulin and stuff, right? We're talking about natural lifters here. Mm-hmm. You're, you're never going to get to a point when you have too much muscle for your body. No. So your goal should be to be, have as much muscle as you possibly can get. And to do that, you're probably going to have to eat carbs and you're probably not going to be fasting. Yeah. Um, I fast uh, fairly regularly, but it's usually only on non-training days. So those days right, that, I do I, the same thing. that I don't need necessarily the extra calories because my effort for the day is, is lower. I'm not expending as many calories. So like you said before, you manipulate your carbohydrates and usually with dinner, I just won't have carbohydrates and that enables me to kind of stay trimmer. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll intermittent fast until 11 a.m., 10 a.m., uh, instead of having breakfast at like as soon as I wake up usually. Um, but overall, if your weekly calories uh, are enough to build muscle, then then that's the main thing. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what I do. So I've been, I train five days a week right now. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've kind of, I found that to be a good little setup where I get enough training and then on my off days, I can get, I can do some sort of physical activity that's not, um, that's not lifting, right? So usually it's sprinting or I've been trying to teach myself how to play lacrosse. So I would go out and throw the ball around or today I did um, like 300 meter rows on my rowing machine, like some sort of physical activity, but not lifting. Yeah. And then on, on, th- on those days when it's not lifting, I'll, I'll push my breakfast back to like 11 ish and I'll usually only eat one big meal. So I'll do like small breakfast, which is still usually my protein pancakes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have a giant meal like Chipotle, right? And I'll, I <laughs> yeah. get like ch- a triple chicken burrito bowl with the tortilla on the side and, and guac. And I just, that's my big meal. Yeah. And I'll usually eat breakfast, that big meal, and I'll have a protein shake before I go to sleep. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of that day. And then the other days I'm usually eating four times, four or five times, where it's a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, a dessert, and maybe dessert's always just like a protein shake or maybe some Greek yogurt with, uh, with protein powder in it. That's probably, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll have like a protein bar in the middle of the afternoon. So that way I'm getting those, I'm getting those hits of, of, uh, five doses of protein kind of spread out throughout the day to help, help with the, uh, the muscle protein synthesis. Yeah. I, so I think we, we have pretty similar setups. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a very key point to kind of cover is like, I, I really like the idea of when you're trying to put on muscle, uh, constantly keeping your body, 
levels high with those amino acids. Um, and I agree. So it just makes sense to me to to constantly top up your body with those essential building blocks of muscle uh, in order to repair uh, and regrow the muscle that you've kind of broken down in training. Uh, because your body is repairing muscle and and building muscle all the time, not not just at at one time right. throughout the day. So it just makes sense to me to, whether that's eating you know real food throughout the day um, in you know an hour and a half blocks and these kind of smaller meals, so you're not fully uh, kind of hitting your digestive system all at one go. Um, taking essential amino acids capsules throughout the day and i don't know if you take these but liver pills as well so desiccated liver pills they're like kind of dried beef liver i have these ones from argentina you know organic whatever uh but i find taking those throughout the day with my meals as well they have a lot of essential amino acids in them the vitamins and mineral levels are off the charts compared to any other animal food source uh so i recommend anyone kind of take those throughout the day to kind of uh add to that amino acid profile and muscle repair throughout the day. It's going to support a whole lot of, a whole lot of processes in the body as well. I, I haven't taken the liver pill yet, but we're, I'm getting closer. I'm on the, I'm on the path, <laughs> the organ but I, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, uh, you should. Well, uh, I'll have to give it a try. Does it taste like anything? No, I mean, they're like dried tablets. So it's, it's not like yeah. a wet, gross liver or anything. It's just, you know, yeah, yeah. T- they're quite the, big. The raw liver, the raw liver guys are, are intense. Yeah. I don't know if I'm on that level yet. <laughs> that's like, that's next level. Yeah. But, uh, what, uh, what, what else? There's, uh, yeah, we pretty much covered, I think we pretty much covered nutrition, man. Like that's, that's really it. And I think, I think the only other thing is, I've found something I, I struggled with because I, I, I struggled to put on muscle, I think, in my early 20s or how I'd say I'd, I'd put it that I struggled. Maybe I didn't. I, I did a decent job. Like I, I added a few pounds over time and I probably wasn't as consistent as I should have been. Mm-hmm. But one thing I was really bad at was um, I loved being lean and I still like being lean. I, I feel more focused and I feel lighter and more, ad, you know, just like generally more agile. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, what's the saying yeah. that? A tiger, a tiger doesn't hunt when it's full, right? It hunts when it's hungry. Yeah. And so that I kind of, I kind of like that that vibe. But um, yeah, I think that nice prevented idea. me from. I, yeah, it, but it prevented me from adding, from adding muscle. I think, right? Like I wasn't, I was, I wanted to stay in that ten percent range, and I'd try to, I would try to get in like a tiny surplus, and wouldn't be willing to put on fat. But yeah. this time around, I, I think I, I got. I started about a year ago, kind of like I saw a picture of myself after a a boy's trip to Arizona and I was like, dude, you need to get back in shape. And it was, I mean, like most people would look at the picture and be like, yeah, you're like the guy kind of lifts, but you know, (laughs) but like they wouldn't say I was out of shape. But for me, I was like, dude, I'm fat. I think I was, I was one, 191, I think. And I'm, I'm 5'11 for, for Mm -hmm. people who, so 5'11, 191. And I was probably... 15 to 17%. So like you could see a little bit of abs, but the muscle definition wasn't there because I hadn't been lifting consistently. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, time to get back in shape. Um, I spent the, basically the whole summer getting lean again. And I got back down to about 177. And I was probably in, probably in the best shape of my life. 177, yeah. 5'11". I was lifting five days a week. It was great. And I was like, all right, like right, let's, let's do this. I'm going to add 10 pounds of muscle. Yeah. Um, and so I've been in a surplus since last September. Mm-hmm. And I think this this is around the time we're in what end of May. 
So about a month ago, I usually would have started leading out for summer, right? I'm probably around 14, 15%. I think I've done a decent job. It's probably, I'd say half of it's muscle, half of it's fat. I'm weighing about 192 to 193 in the mornings. Yeah. So I probably added five pounds of muscle, three or five pounds of muscle, added five to seven pounds of fat. And this is the time when I quit. But what I found is that you kind of have to have an essential level of fat before your body is willing to to add on the muscle. Like even when you're lean, you're trying to put on muscle, like, yeah, you can kind of do it, but your body's still trying to trying to store the fat, right? Yeah. And I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people will take that back to some evolutionary thing. I don't really know what the basis is. That's just something I've personally experienced. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm sacrificing 2020 summer and I'm just gonna be fatter than I usually am. And I'll probably feel a little bad about it. I'll be 15%. <laughs> I still have a little bit of abs, but it's not like, any, not like usually I'm like the leanest guy of my of my friends yeah. and probably get some made fun, made fun of a little bit, but I think it's worth it to like tell my body, hey, it's okay to add some muscle, right? So we have the fat now, take these calories and do something useful with them. Yeah. And so I'm I'm probably gonna spend the whole another year at least, maybe another one, just in this muscle building mode. And I, I guess we're kind of coming back to the same message of like, muscle is probably the most important thing you can do for yourself, long term health and and uh, aesthetics wise. Yeah, right? 100%. It, it kind of loops back to like, I always, the best long-term strategy, even if you do want to lose fat, is to put on muscle, right? And I'll explain that a little right. bit. Right. So when you increase your muscle mass, your resting metabolic rate goes up, right? So the resting metabolic rate is the amount of calories that your body uses at rest. So not doing anything, you're not exercising, your body requires a certain amount of calories to just go through the normal processes, the bodily processes and functions to power, you know, the brain, the digestion, everything. All, all of this requires calories. When you have more muscle mass, you need more calories to just maintain that muscle mass, even if you're not using it for anything. You're not even exercising with it. So the best long-term strategy to reduce fat is to increase this resting metabolic rate because then you can eat more calories and use more calories up when you're doing nothing. You don't have to slog in the gym. You don't have to hike to get these extra calorie deficit. So it's counterintuitive in a way and kind of scary to some people if, if they are overweight, but they want to lose fat. You have to look at it over the long term and say, okay, what's the best strategy? You know, you don't want to be starving yourself for months and months and months. So in terms of that is you have a slight caloric surplus, enable your body to put on muscle, like you said, have that kind of safety net of calories. So your body allows you to, to use the energy and you know you have that excess to build the muscle. Um, keep all those amino acids up so you have the building blocks to do so. And over the long term, as you increase in muscle mass, your body naturally starts to use more calories even at rest. So your body fat is going to decrease in the long term. And the more muscle mass you have, that kind of the greater that effect is, the more muscle mass you have, the, the uh, what is it, the thermogenic effect. Um, yeah. You know, all of these things add up and the kind of lifestyle changes over the long term that naturally decrease your body fat without having to kill yourself with extreme diets or anything and, and feel hungry. Um, so I recommend anyone look into that. It's it's the principle itself is the reason why uh, bodybuilders can eat you know six thousand calories and not put an ounce of fat on is because all of that muscle requires upkeep 
um, and enables them to have these huge meals without putting an ounce of fat on. If, if you don't understand that concept, you might look at people that eat so much. Like for me, I, I eat a lot and people see what that I'm eating and go, how can you eat so much and you know still be so shredded or whatever? It's like, because I need this to survive. <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. What What are you What are you weighing these days? Are you like two ten, two fifteen? Uh, yeah. I think I'm two hundred nine around there. Um, you know. So you're You're probably eating what three thousand five hundred, four thousand calories a day. Yeah. If when I'm in full training mode, it's it's closer to four thousand yeah. calories a day. Um, for upkeep and but yeah, I'm not in any kind of at the moment with the gyms closed. I've been eating less calories. Yeah. Uh, because I've been working out, you know, less. You don't, you can't expend the same amount of calories as you can deadlifting, you know, regularly heavy weight when I don't have access to that. You know, I'm doing my, my rings, my body weight right. stuff, uh, some dumbbell stuff, but it's not the same as that whole total body workout that you can get from, unfortunately, I don't have a barbell or anything. Uh, so I just naturally yeah. drop the carbohydrates a little bit, uh, but hopefully within the next kind of few weeks when the gym's open again, I'll be ramping up the carbs, ramping up my training. Uh, and like you as well, trying to gain as a little bit more muscle mass, so opening up those calories to allow that. Yeah, it was it was a, a tough decision when quarantine started. I didn't really know if I should do like a mini cut or something. Yeah. Right, because I knew that I wasn't going to be getting the training in, uh, but I just kind of decided to go with it and just keep the sur- maybe like surplus to maintenance level. And and I the day quarantine started, I went and bought. Um, adjustable dumbbells up to 90 pounds. Okay. So I have two 90 pound, new two 90 pound dumbbells. I have a full adjustable bench. I have like one resistance band and I have a, uh, a, a pull up bar with some like handles, kind of like ring kind of thing on yeah. it. So, I mean, I, I was able to put together a, a pretty decent workout. It actually didn't change other than like heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, um, barbell bench, stuff like that. I put together a pretty decent routine. I just trained in a higher rep range and stuff like that. But I mean, I was, I'm doing, I've been doing hamstring curls with a band tied to like a dumbbell. Like you, you kind of get creative and it, I mean, it was fun for a little, but I went to, uh, some of our gyms have started opening up here and I went to the gym last week and deadlift for the first time in two months yeah. and I couldn't walk for like two <laughs> days. It, it's definitely, it's definitely different. Oh, it's train, entirely train with different. The, the heavier weights. And I would um, um, just add to that in general to people just to say to them, you won't be as strong as you were going back. Just accept that. You know, don't don't go in and, and kill yourself working out for three hours as much as you want to do that. And I want to do that as well. It's not probably the smartest thing to go back and try to attempt even like you know, 90% of what you were doing before, unless you have kept some level of strength training throughout. It's like, that'll all come back within a few weeks. You just have to become consistent again and push yourself, but not to the very limit. Otherwise, you know, all your tendons are going to be a bit weaker. Your joints are going to be a bit less mobile because you haven't been training those movement patterns for for a while. So all of these things just kind of to keep in mind and not overdo it when you first get back in the gym, when everything starts opening up again. And I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me, but I think that's important to kind of consider. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that and you should ease into it. But I'm gonna admit I did not listen to that at all. <laughs> I, I, for, first day back, I was like, let's let's hit some. Like, let's usually, do it. I, so my my training is usually is pretty. Um, I have three goals, right? I have 
strength goals, aesthetic goals, and athletic goals. Yeah. That's kind of how I break it down. And so I usually barb I usually barbell my training. And what I mean by that is um, on the exercises I care about being strong at, which is deadlift, squat, overhead press, weighted pull-ups, um, kind of bench. I'm really bad. At my, I have really long arms and a really narrow chest cavity. Yeah. So I have to move the barbell like three feet to bench. So I'm just <laughs> never going to be good at it. So yeah. I, I don't care that much. But um, on those movements, I pretty much only work in the one to three rep range. Okay. And, and that's just because I've found over time, like barbell squatting in the 10 rep, 10 rep range doesn't do anything for me. Like it's just, my body's, too, my legs are too long and it just doesn't help me grow my legs. So I'd rather, and I don't really care. Like at the end of the day, I care about adding muscle, but it doesn't matter how I do it. Right. Yeah. So what I did instead was I care about how much I squat, not how many reps I squat. So I cut it down where I'm only squatting on a one to three, and then I do goblet squats or I do leg press or I do hack squat in higher rep ranges because that's what helped me helps me put on muscle. Yeah. But um, so I went in there first day back deadlifting, and I was just like, you know what? Like let's just do some triples. It'll be fine. And I I and I I'd been working out like consistently, so I thought I'd be all right. And I I threw four fifty five on there for a triple. <laughs> Felt pretty good. I lost I lost like twenty pounds off my off the triple, but. Uh, it's still 455 was better than I thought I was going to do. So, but I wouldn't, I like was not a good decision. I should not have done that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see what my strength is like. Um, I'll probably take it a, a bit easier than doing that, but, um, yeah, if unfortunately that's just the way it is and we'll, we'll get back to it. It's all, you know, you got, you got to think about the, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So getting back to it, we'll, we'll so, be right. Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think we touched pretty well on nutrition. You want, you want to talk about training a little bit? I'm actually pretty interested to hear. So, so I've been thinking, actually been thinking about this a lot, mm-hmm. is um, what makes a physique look really good, right? Because uh, there's obviously everyone talks about like the taper and stuff like that. But so I've seen people with tapers and I'm like, you know, it's not really, it doesn't really, it's not that impressive. But I've noticed that every physique that I find impressive has two things, and that's a big chest yep. and big quads. Mm-hmm. And if you if you can build a big chest and big quads, like it doesn't really like yeah, the shoulders help and the taper helps, but those two things you're gonna look pretty good to most people. Yeah, well, um, it, and and you do a, I was gonna say you do a pretty good job on both of those things. So I'm pretty interested to hear you talk about chest training and leg training specifically. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, chest training, I think is like a lot of people have a misconception of the best way to train chest. Um, You know, they think that benching big is going to give you a big chest when I think that it's mostly front delt work uh, in a, in a, in a bench press, especially if you're, which a lot of people have is rounded shoulders. They don't have that, um, you know, external rotation in the shoulders, which allow your chest muscles to take the actual weight rather than your deltoids. So for me, my chest training is really focused on making that distinction between the, uh, how to describe it, kind of the, the flexion of the chest muscle, like a, like a bird would flap its wings. Like that's the, the movement that the chest is doing, right? Not that extension of the arms uh, that you would kind of think about in a bench press. That's, you, I mean, you can feel it yourself. When you're flapping your wings, what, what's pulling your your arms back into the center is the chest muscles. That's why birds have uh, those, you know, those huge chest muscles to kind of facilitate flying because they have to pump those pecs the whole time. So 
thinking about that uh, rather than the traditional bench press. Um, I don't bench press that often these days. I personally am not really into chasing strength numbers for that. Uh, I'm into the most efficient way of training the muscle. So whatever that exercise is for you, for chest training, for me, that's things like dips, uh, probably the number one chest builder, um, starting with a kind of just the body weight stuff, getting as much, uh, as many reps in as you can with that, uh, using that as a finisher after a chest workout. But there's a specific way of doing dips. So I got this from Vince Garonda. Uh, he's obviously a very famous old school bodybuilding trainer who worked with Arnold and, and all the greats. Um, so he has, you know, a, a handbook that he's kind of sketched out. He's drawn exercises and, and ways to kind of manipulate your body to focus on different areas. So for the dip, you, you set up as a normal dip, but you're gonna put your chin down to your chest uh, and then kind of bring your feet forward to be underneath your head rather than behind you. And what that does is put the stress on your chest muscles and you'll feel the difference straight away. So doing dips in that way is, is a big one, uh, a great way to develop the chest. Um, other things that I do for chest, incline presses uh, with the dumbbells. So dumbbells versus barbells. The barbell, it's a great tool, but it doesn't enable um, the most optimum flow, uh, the optimum range of movement. It doesn't enable your shoulder to kind of move in the natural way uh, that it, you know, it feels best. So I've shifted to more dumbbell training for chest. At least it seems to be easier on the shoulder and it seems to be easier to consciously get that chest flexion. Like I was talking about before that kind of, uh, adducting your arms towards the center there as well. So doing inclined pr dumbbell press dips. Another one is uh, cable flies is I kind of use as a finishing movement. So getting those cables set out to the, a kind of wide uh, wide setting and set high as well. So you're gonna get the cables either side, kind of step uh, half a step forward. So you get that full stretch at rest. And then the same again is really focusing on actually contracting the chest muscles to move your arms as if you were flapping your wings like a bird, rather than having your delts take the weight and pulling that forward. It, it kind of leads into a a more general point about training is yes, an exercise can be good or, or, you know, for, for a specific muscle group, but if you're not performing it in a way where that muscle group is, is taking the weight, then it's effectively pointless. If your goal is physique building, then you have to focus on specific areas that you're training. And if you're performing an exercise, but you know, your delts are taking over rather than your chest, then it's effectively pointless. So you have to take that idea of being consciously involved in every single set, every single rep and thinking about, you know, is my chest taking the weight here? Do I need to lower the weight so that my chest feels it more? So I'm more in control and I'm more kind of engaged in the moment. So that principle I think is, is super important. Um, to take into all training, not just chest training, but I think that itself is, is very important to chest training. So, so people can move away from just thinking, if I get a big bench, then I'll get a big chest. It's like, no, you need to focus on that flexion, 
um, like a bird flapping its wings and really have the chest kind of do the work in those exercises. Um, quad training, um, I think it's pretty standard. You know, I, I think I'm genetically blessed. My dad has good legs as well and he hasn't really trained other than playing soccer. Uh, so my leg training is, is pretty standard. It's, it's uh, heavy squats, um, <clears throat> kind of three quarters of the way through the, through the uh, workout. I'll start off with a kind of blood flow primer kind of exercise. So I'll get on the hamstring curl machine uh, and then the quad machine, the, what is it called? The quad extension machine. And I'll do four sets of 15 superset with that. So that's just all about getting blood into your legs, um, which is super important. The blood into the knees as well, the ankles, all of these things which support you during the heavier loads in the squat. I don't think it's smart to do your heavy compound big lifts at the start of the workout. Like, yes, do it while you're fresh and don't do it at the very end of your workout. But I think it's important to get the muscles firing, you know, get warmed up and everything before you go into the heaviest loads uh, in your workout. So for that, for leg training has really helped me doing those blood priming exercises before the squat. Um, and then I'll also, I don't take my squats as, I, sometimes I do, and I'll, I'll see how heavy I can get it for like two or three reps, uh, but that's, you know, relatively rarely for me personally. Uh, I think it's important and should be incorporated sometimes into your routine, but as far as the muscle building, I think having that greater level of, of muscular control through all ranges of motion uh, with a lighter weight um, and kind of slowing it down, slowing that eccentric portion down so that you're, you're actually using your quads and your glutes and your hamstrings to slowly take the weight down and then explosively come up, I think is the best way. It's all, it all feeds into that kind of, that bigger thing of being in control of the rep. Um, also, if you're not at that top end range of, of heaviness, then you're not gonna open yourself up to injury as much. Uh, so in terms of a long-term view of building muscle, I think it's just smarter to do that um, in general. But yeah, <clears throat> squats is a big one. Um, lunges I really like. It's a very functional movement. Um, everyone, you know, you need to lunge and, and carry weight kind of while you're walking. So it all feeds into each other. Um, I like to incorporate more functional movements and functional training sessions on top of the hypertrophy routines as well, just so that you're kind of prepared and ready and strengthened for life in general, uh, as well as just in the gym. I think that's important. So it, it yeah, in general, um, lots of blood flow pump kind of exercises, but coupled with heavy exercises uh, done semi-regularly so that you're still getting that kind of heavy shock to the system and um, making your muscles kind of adapt to all those different uh, all those different forms of exercise as well I think is important to develop a well-rounded physique and feel healthier and feel good in your body in general that was a bit of that, a spiel that makes sense you, you're yeah that was good you, I have a, a few things written down that I thought we should probably hit on is you you train more for you're like, I'd say you're more purely like aesthetics based training, right? Yeah. Like you, you're not trying to compete in powerlifting. No, no. I'm too tall yes. for that. So, 
You weren't? You're too tall, too for, tall that. for that. <laughs> yeah, at, but, uh, I'm 6'4", and I have, like, like it's good for deadlifts because I have long arms. Um, yeah. But bench, probably like you as well. I'm never going to be the strongest guy in the gym. Uh, so I kind of shifted away from that a little bit in terms yeah, of my day. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah I, I guess I, I, for the most part, if you're not trying to compete in powerlifting, there's really no reason to, I mean, other than and there's some people who just like, they're going to be hardcore and they just want to push themselves. There's really no reason to max out. Yeah. Right. Like what, what's the point of that? Like just, you're it's just going to see, like it doesn't, no one. Yeah. It's, it's just ego. Right. Unless you're trying to compete. And like, I, I kind of at some point would like to compete. Yeah. So that's, that's the reason I train the way I do. And, and I want to hit both those. But if not, like I probably wouldn't, I probably would never squat again. Like barbell squat. It just kind of tears up my body a little bit. So there's no reason to do that when there's an, another way to get the results you want. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think another another point that you hit that was super important is that, and you got to find exercises and ways to do exercises that work for you. Yeah. And so like people will say like an exercise doesn't work or an exercise works, and that's completely an individual thing. Yeah. If an exercise doesn't work for you, then the exercise doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Or if an exercise does work for you, doesn't work for someone else, the exercise works, right? So whatever works for you is the exercise that works. Like <laughs> for me squats aren't going to grow my legs and i know that so i i go leg press and i go hack squat right yep. and, and you just that's a lot of personal experimenting you just got to kind of figure that out yep. and and i think another thing you hit on with that was important is is feeling the muscle work right slowing down the eccentric feeling the muscle and that's kind of coupled with finding exercises that work like most exercises that work are the exercises where you're going to feel the muscle where you're going to get that good pump like mm-hmm. for me you hit you hit dips like dips give me a crazy pump. Mm-hmm. I always, always hit dips, weighted dips. And that, that's one that's always helped my chest. Yeah. And so you can kind of tell, like people say, oh, like the pump doesn't matter, but the pump just means that you're, the muscle's working and you're getting that blood into that muscle. Yeah. Right. It just, it's just an indicator that, you, that yeah, exactly. you're hitting the right area. Yeah. Um, I would just, and then, I would just uh, quickly add to that. Um, I, so let's take, for example, squats. I had internal hip mobility rotation issues um, just from a lack of stretching and a lack of flexibility that made squats feel kind of weird to me. Um, so I was kind of put off by them, at least for the first um, first few years trying to do them because I never really delved into the, the stretching and the mobility side of things. So I think it's important to make that distinction between you know, if you do a squat and it doesn't feel right, don't don't throw the squat in the bin because there are things that you can do to improve mobility and flexibility across all muscle groups and, and exercises like sitting in, in a deep, what is it, the the third world squat. You know, you see people sitting in that kind of yeah. super deep squat. If you're doing that a few minutes a day uh, and getting used to that, you're going to feel better having weight uh, going down into that position. And once I started stretching, once I started doing hip releasing yoga, things like that. Uh, my squatting got su- super better. Um, and you know, it just felt more natural. I felt my glutes and my hamstrings more engaged, uh, and I was less tight. So I started to enjoy the squat more. So it was, first of all, it was like, yes, find exercises that are good for you and feel good, but also make sure that you're doing the mobility, that end range flexibility work so that you can enable to hit those those good exercises as well. Yeah, that's that's true. You gotta just because you think an exercise doesn't work for you, the reason might be that you actually just don't have the mobility to do the exercise properly. Yeah. 
right? And I think that actually might be part of my problem with squats. I have very um, poor ankle mobility, right? So, mm. so one way you can fix, one way you can help that is yeah, one way you can help that is getting weightlifting shoes or stand, you can if you can't buy weightlifting shoes because they're two hundred dollars. You could put your heels on a plate, or sometimes yeah. they have these like cork blocks that you can stand on. Yeah. But that's a huge one that'll stop you from being able to squat properly. But yes, you have you have to do the mobility work. I think um, one that people miss a lot on on upper body is uh, the trap and shoulder mobility. Yeah. Um, and two of my favorite exercises for that are just simply like a hollow body hang, where you you just grab onto the bar whatever way you want to put your hands, some of the ways are harder than other, like an underhand grip is going to be really hard. Yeah. And then you, you, uh, brace your core as if you were going down for a squat and you'll immediately feel like tightness in your traps and shoulders. Yeah. And that's a really good one. You just sit there for a minute. And another one's called skin the cat where you go in this, you hold the bar in the same position. You lift your, almost like a gymnast, you lift your knees up and you put your whole body through your arms. Yeah. So you're, you can just Google skin the cat and that one will loosen up your chest and traps and shoulders as well. I wonder what what kind of stuff do you do for uh, for lower body? I've been kind of I've been trying to do the weighted, like you said, the weighted squat, like at the end range of motion, yeah. and stuff like that. It's man, my mobility is just not very good. It's always something I've had trouble with, yeah. but I keep working on it. But is there any exercise you want to recommend to the um, listeners? As far as lower body mobility, it it seems you know whatever, but yoga. Like the more I've done yoga, and there are you can just Google. Um, lower body mobility flow yoga. I, I do a, a, a channel called Boho Beautiful on YouTube, which is really good. But ever since doing that regularly, yoga, like you're, you're increasing your flexibility, but you're also increasing the kind of the conscious movement between all the positions, you know, like connecting all the positions and, and moving through them so that it's a much more natural kind of feel than maybe just a stretch where you're sitting in one position. Um, but a lot of yoga poses are just stretches anyway. So it's a good way to kind of just get a structured, put a video on and do that. And, and the more you do it, um, the, I find the, the better it is like with anything, the more you practice something, the more results you get. So, you know, even just a full hour that you kind of dedicate to stretching, you're, you're going to see a lot of improvement just from doing that. Um, another one is the combat stretch. So this um, kind of deals with ankle mobility. So you kind of, it's going to be really hard to describe on audio. So, so try and, you know, search the combat stretch, but you're kind of perched on one, on one foot. You have your foot on the ground and then the rest of your body weight uh, above and you kind of lean onto your hands forward but keep your heel grounded. And that kind of mimics the movement of the, of when you're squatting, uh, the calf kind of shifting forward, but you want to keep your heel on the floor and kind of slowly relax, uh, the calf and the ankle. And that'll, that'll enable you to get a bit deeper in the squat. Um, but yeah, a hundred percent do yoga, man. I was, you know, if you, if you're against it because you think it's Feminine in general, I, I would say just kind of revisit that assumption because you'll feel better. And the other thing is you'd be way less stressed. Like there's a lot of emotional tension that we hold within our muscles and you'll notice the difference as soon as you start doing them. It's like when you come out of a, a yoga session, whether it's a class or a half an hour just in your room on YouTube, you just get this peace of mind and this last lack of stress that, that you know, once you notice the difference, you'll never want to go back. 
Yeah, I, I did yoga for a while. I, I kind of stopped. I should get back into it. But um, it also, yoga is also great for your core. Yes. I mean, that, that I, I credit that along with um, glute ham raises, which is a hamstring exercise, with with adding like 50 pounds to my deadlift at least. Yeah. Like that, that made a huge difference. So I, I definitely recommend yoga as well. That's a good one. It's all about um, kind of linking all aspects of movement, you know, you're using your core to brace, even if it's just a chest exercise, if it's a back exercise, or everything kind of fits together. So any movement that you're doing that's improving your flexibility in one area is going to enable you to, even if it's, you know, it's not as obvious, it's all linking together, all making your body a more fluid joined uh, unit, which is going to, you know, make you feel better just day to day through your life, whether you're hiking or whatever else not just in the gym room, which I think is important. Yeah, makes sense. That's, that's a good transition on the yoga side to, uh, probably the third topic is sleep, right? So I, when I, I do mobility routine every night and maybe I'll, maybe I'll start doing yoga even hundred uh, percent instead, but, but, uh, I do that ankle stretch you talked about actually. And I do the pigeon, what's the, the quad stretch where you put your foot up on something and stretch out your hip and quad. That's another really yeah. good one. So I do, I do a few different stretches every night, and uh, and while well, I watch like a show or something with yeah. the blue light, the, the blue light blocker glasses on, of course, yeah. can't have the the blue light <laughs> messing up our sleep. Yeah. Um, what a! I know you're a big glycine guy. You got the glycine shirts. Yeah. I actually I haven't tried that yet. I I bought some on your recommendation, so I'll have to give that a try. Yeah. But uh, I think the for me, I think the biggest. The biggest thing that helped sleep was um, having a consistent bedtime. Yeah. Like going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time is kind of what I found. Like I've I have an aura ring. I've tried all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. as far as sleep, but um, that's that turned out to be the biggest one for me. Uh, was just going to sleep at the same time and, and earlier than most people would expect. I try to get to sleep um, between nine and ten now, which before I was probably going to sleep at like eleven at the earliest. So I usually try to get in bed by nine, nine thirty, and, and sleep by 10. And I'm usually up six thirty to seven. Yeah. So I'm the same, just consi- consistent routine. Yeah. There's, it's all about timing your circadian rhythm. You know, that's the internal biological clock that regulates so many different processes in the body, uh, namely sleep, but also the secretion of hunger hormones, like leptin and, and ghrelin, these things that make you feel hungry or, or not hungry, all of that relates to your circadian rhythm. So sometimes people will ask me, hey, why do I, you know, how can I not um, feel hungry at night? Or how do I stop myself eating at night? It's like, if you have a consistent bedtime, for instance, me, I'm going to bed at 8.39 um, and getting up at, at 6.30 without an alarm, I think is, is a really important thing as well is like if you're waking up to an alarm and it's kind of jarring you awake rather than you waking up naturally at that time that's a kind of indicator that you're not getting enough sleep and whether that's you need to go to bed earlier which is the case in 95 percent of people that ask me about sleep is like okay what time are you going to bed oh you know like 11 30 and then it's hard to get up at, at seven it's like no shit <laughs> you know <laughs> Like, be- let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you, do you believe I've heard the saying, and I don't know if it's true that an hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours of sleep after midnight. 
Well, I don't know whether it, it quantifies exactly like that, but I know that the quality... But the concept. The concept yeah. is, it rings true, and you need to really look at getting to bed relatively with the sun, right? So you start to wind down once the sun goes down at, at 6.30 or whatever it is. Um, you, you eliminate all your blue light sources. Like if you have blue light blocking glasses, is good. There's also a program called Flux, which you can... Uh, put on your computer which which gets rid of all the blue light on on your screen the other thing is the best thing is just to not have any electronics in the in the two hours before you head to bed so you know do your social media stuff reply to emails before that time and then have the last period of your day separate uh from technology you know turn as many lights off throughout the house as possible as well if your bathroom has a, a harsh light look at getting candles or even little electronic candles that have batteries that kind of give off the same light pattern. All of these things will help time your body, uh, help your body kind of set down for sleep and everything. And you know, the candle thing is so huge. Reading by candlelight before bed in the hour before bed, you'll, you, I guarantee you'll feel tired enough to go to sleep. Like a lot of the time people go into bed at 11.30 midnight they're on their computer watching garbage. Like it's not, it's not a hard thing to do, and your body really responds to it well by by eliminating these technology sources before bed. Uh, and in general, you feel more tired, so you'll naturally want to go to sleep at a at an earlier time, and then you'll wake up earlier as well. So I think that's super important. I think yeah, I think that's a good point. The, the candle, I think, is a good idea. So. I, I've, I was tracking my sleep and trying a bunch of different variables and one of them was was reading a book instead of reading my Kindle, right? Like I, I or not my Kindle, my iPad, right? Yeah. Whatever, the Kindle app. Um, and I found that my sleep was literally quantifiably better when I read a book instead of reading my iPad. Even if I was using, I turned off all my blue light, I used my glasses and my, my sleep was still like 10 points higher just by reading a paperback book by light instead of looking at a screen. Yeah. So that, that's something I'd, I'd suggest people try if they're really having trouble sleeping is actually don't look at screens. Like I know the, the blue light glasses say they work and stuff, but just give it a try. Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a band-aid solution when you could just get rid of the source itself. Right. Um, let's see another... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll quickly just another, uh, comment on the other, the sleep subs that I take and maybe a few other things yeah, about it. sleep. So glycine... Uh, is a essential amino acid. Um, I'm not sure if it's essential, but anyway, it's an amino acid. It's the simplest amino acid, uh, and it's used for hundreds of things throughout the body. But one of the major effects that seems to be super reliable and um, you know across the board with people is taking a small serving, starting with three grams. I take a bit higher, like around eight grams before bed. Some people. If it's a higher dose, it seems to excite the brain a little bit. If they have methanion deficiency, um, glycine enables your brain to kind of clear all the excess inflammation out. <clears throat> so sometimes people can experience a bit of a rush when they take it. So if that's you, just kind of start off with three grams. I take it in chamomile tea just before bed, which is a sedative as well. So having that in a drink before bed enables your, it, it increases your the depth of your sleep. Um, ZMA, which is a blend of zinc, magnesium, and vitamin B5, I think. Uh, I take that as well. That also increases the depth of your sleep. 
Um, so that is like a little bedtime drink that I have uh, about 20 minutes before bed, which you know, is, it's a bit of a routine thing. Your, your body gets used to it um, and you'll be out like a light if you have that. So if you're having issues with sleep, I've, I've told heaps of people to get onto that and it's invariably come back with, hey man, I didn't wake up once last night. It's the first time that's happened to me in months, you know? And, and you, don't, you don't know what you're missing out on with quality sleep until you have a good sleep and you wake up refreshed and you don't wake up groggy because you're, you're recharged. You know, most of your muscle is rebuilt when you during sleep, all of the kind of detoxification processes in the body, all of this goes on while you're unconscious during sleep. So you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you're not take if you're not optimizing your sleep. Um, a few other things that I do, um, I might look look a bit stupid to to any outsiders, but what I'll do before bed is I'll tape my mouth as well. Um, I don't know if if you've ever tried that, but taping your mouth basically just make sure that you're only nose breathing uh, throughout the night and that prevents snoring if you're a snorer like me um, but you're you're enabling a, a much better airflow throughout the whole night so you think about the eight or nine hours that you're in bed for if your breathing is compromised maybe if, if you're overweight as well you have get a bit of sleep apnea or even if you're just a big dude with a lot of muscle you can get sleep apnea uh, from your neck as well. So taping your mouth is a big one. I also have uh, an eye mask, uh, earplugs. Um, both of those help to reduce the inputs uh, subconsciously into your brain so it doesn't have to process as much noise or, or light signals. Like even if your eyes are closed, you're still getting, if you have lights in your room um, or, you know, um, your windows aren't particularly like they're not blackout curtains or whatever if there are street lights outside all of these lights your brain is subconsciously processing through sleep so if you have an eye mask it helps to kind of get rid of that uh earplugs the same helps to reduce the noise that your body's processing when you sleep and just kind of enables your body to turn off more um, which is conducive to better sleep i guarantee you'll feel better rested and and all that if you if you do those things before bed as well yeah, those are all solid. I think you pretty much covered it. I think the only one I'd add is uh, temperature. Yeah. Is lo lowering your body temperature. Cold and, showers. And just generally the temperature at which you sleep is usually better. Yeah. You'll, you'll get a better sleep. But uh, you, I think two things we should probably cover is one was uh, we, we talked about going to sleep early. I'm sure a lot of people like listening are, are this is going to be a, maybe a little broader conversation, but a lot of people listening are like, yeah, that's great, but I'm super busy. Right. And and but they're not really but they're not your, right right, they never right. Are. if you really want to especially i know if you want to optimize one one i think your point about optimizing sleep being super important is is crucial right and this kind of comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of if muscle mass is your goal you need to get better sleep yeah right that's that's when muscles built during the recovery so you got to make sleep a priority and to do that what you actually have to do is is during your life during the day you have to be more productive yeah Right, you need to you need to get the same amount done as you were getting done before, and you need to get it done in less amount of time. Yeah, and and that's gonna let like that one thing, and maybe that's I don't know, maybe that's cutting out social media, or maybe that's a yeah, a, a variety of different things. But being more productive is gonna it, it's a uh, it's a reflexive cycle, right? It all builds on itself. So if you're if you are productive during the day, one you're gonna be more tired, and two you're gonna be able to. Uh, You'll feel good about the day. You'll feel like you've accomplished something. 
and you're going to be able to to get to sleep, right? Knowing you've got everything done and all the tasks are completed. Yeah. You get better sleep. You start building more muscle. You start feeling more confident. You're going to get more done. Yeah. And it, it's kind of just it, it creates a positive self reinforcing cycle that, yeah. that builds on itself. And I think while we're on productivity, I know we must have been talking about <laughs> health and 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 uh, training and, and fitness. Yeah. But I think one one thing that I talk about a ton is is a system that I use for just general organization. It's worth probably worth dropping in here just so your followers yeah. can think about it is, is I call it, it's PISA, like the Leaning Tower of PISA, P-I-S-A. And that's physical, which is pretty much what you mostly talk about. And then there's intellectual, which is your career, your work, your business, mm-hmm. all, all the ways you make money and the things you're interested in. Social, which is which is girls, friends, family, and artistic, which is like hobbies and, and other things you're interested in, music, yeah. or, 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 hot, stuff like that. So that's just like a little system I use because especially when you're, you ha- you're trying to be a well-rounded person and you're trying to get a lot done and be productive is you have so much coming at you and so many, from so many different sources, from Twitter, from your job, from reading, from all sorts of different stuff. And you kind of need a way to organize it all. And, and that's what I found is just a, a little simple uh, new, mnemonic system to, to remember and kind of self-organize things. And I organize my entire life that way. And, and so I think, stepping back is if you can do something like that or find a way to make yourself more productive and simple using simple little systems you're going to be able to do things like go to sleep early and and have a better body and i think all those the the physical the intellectual the social and artistic of life all interplay on each other and if you're doing well in one it can help lead to success in the others right so i mean like on for example you follow me on twitter i don't even talk about like girls or relationships that much as because if you focus on the first two, if you're if you're in good shape, you're a good looking guy, and you're doing well financially, like the rest of it kind of just takes care of itself. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and then that's why it's in that order, the the P I S N A, and and so I call it I call it a six pack, seven figures, and eight plus girls. And if you can do those <laughs> three things, like there's there's no reason like anyone who can who can be in great shape, who can do well financially, and who can be with girls he finds that are eight, eight out of 10 or better. Like, it's pretty tough to be unhappy when you're doing yes. those three things, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's kind of leads into, if, if you improve in one side of it, everything else improves. It's, it's, it's flexing that improvement muscle, if you will, that, that discipline, um, it, it carries over. I think a lot of people find the gym and the physical training so beneficial is because it's like a real tangible benefit and measurable benefit that you get from working out, which kind of, it's the first step in a lot of people. If, if your life is, is in shambles a little bit, when, if, when you get the training down, your mental game improves because you're, you're getting stress relief you know, you, you feel better in general and that enables you to kind of have that motivation and the energy to take that first step to improve the other areas of your life. Um, and yeah, like you said, <clears throat> you need to improve in all areas of your life, not just one. You, you don't want to be one dimensional. You don't want to only be focused on, on health and fitness if the rest of your life is, is kind of suffering because of it. So it's this, it's this simultaneous balancing act um, but also when you're doing one thing, focus on that one thing. And then when you're training, focus on your training. Don't, you know, don't be worried about work while you're training and then don't wish you were like, while you're working, don't wish you were in the gym training. Like, oh no, I'm sitting down too long. It's like, yeah, think about that in general, but 
the idea of being in the moment and enjoying and focusing on that task at hand, whatever you're doing, um, even social relationships, when you're on a date or you're, you're hanging out with your, your bros, um, don't be worried about work and you know wishing that you were working harder and writing. It's like when you're working, work, but when you're relaxing and, and chilling and developing social relationships, do that and focus on that and be engaged with that because otherwise you you kind of miss out on the benefit of both. If you're half in, half out, then you know, you're not allowing yourself to really absorb everything that's happening. Uh, and I think that's an important concept to do. Um, yes, you know, have these, these longer term goals and plans and, and try and delegate your day so that you improve in all areas, but also recognize that it doesn't all happen in a day. Um, you're not going to be able to do it all at once. Um, so just to kind of take it as it comes, take the steps, uh, improve and, and do your best you can while also giving yourself a bit of leeway if, if it doesn't all happen at once. Um, and also just eliminating all of the bullshit, all of the time wasting, you know, people say they're too busy to get to sleep earlier, but they'll spend an hour and a half throughout the day on their phone. That's, that's all lost time, even if it's only little 15 minute breaks and things like that. So it requires a more general kind of assessment and an honest assessment of how you're using your time and what you can cut out and, and only really focus on the big the big things and the big rocks that that really kind of move the needle in your life as well yeah i think we uh we pretty much covered i think we, we so we hit we hit uh nutrition we hit training we hit sleep I think the only last, I kind of think of it as the core four of uh, training, nutrition, uh, sleep, and supplements. So mm. the only thing we have left is supplements. I, I'm pretty, uh, you're, you're probably more versed in these, this than me. I take very little. I, I do obviously do protein powder. I do creatine. I do D3. I do a multivitamin. And that's really about it. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't really go too, too much farther than that. But um, is there any, what do you think are like, the essential or like the top, if you can only take, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, people yeah. who don't want to be mega dosing powders and yeah. pills and stuff. What do you think are like the, the best things to take? Well, it, you know, it depends how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. I don't take any supplements that don't do anything for me. Um, I, I think the most critical ones, uh, I think everyone should be taking magnesium, uh, in some form. Uh, the most bioavailable form is magnesium glycinate, which is a chemical compound, magnesium and glycine. Um, so taking a few of those throughout the day really enables your body to do all the, all the processes that keep you mentally sane. Um, all the, the detoxification process and things in the body use magnesium. Obviously, magnesium is, is a mineral required for your muscles, uh, prevents spasming, um, all of these things and it enables your muscles to relax as well. So if you're feeling quite tense all the time, it's, it's likely that you have a magnesium deficiency in some regard, especially if you're an athlete or even just a, a lifter in general. Um, magnesium is a, a huge one that I take daily. Having magnesium oil as well, so that's just magnesium chloride in water um, in a spray bottle, you can locally apply that so that kind of sinks in dermally through the skin. It's a much more direct way of getting magnesium to your muscles. If you're cramping or spasming in one area, you can spray some of that on and, and deeply massage that into that, which is really nice. Uh, another one is zinc. 
uh, super good for your skin, your health, your testosterone production. It's, it's kind of one of the nutrients required for all that. Um, so I take zinc daily as well. The liver pills, uh, it's a big one. If you're not eating organ meat, it's, it's a great way to kind of top up those, those vitamins and minerals, which are so highly concentrated in liver, uh, in organ meat in general. Ancestral Supplements is a really good brand. They have a great ethos as a company in general. Um, so you can look at that. They have, you know, liver, kidneys, spleen, uh, bone marrow, colostrum, you know, a bunch of different things sourced from New Zealand. So that's a good one to look into. Um, my other favorites to have is, I think you would benefit as well from just taking amino acid caps. Uh, with your meals as well, if even if you just have a, a fruit snack like a banana and apple with some amino acid caps as well, you can just pump them down with some water, and just uh, kind of tops up your body with with minimal calories. But and you know you're getting those amino acids in, which help to repair the body in general. I mean, I could go on and on about supplements. To be honest, um, I think there are a lot of <clears throat> a lot of good ones, and that can also. What's the one you hit a? The one you hit that I, st I want to try is beetroot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's not even... I wouldn't even call that a supplement. That's just dried beetroot powder, right? Um, if you're eating a lot of beetroots, not as important, but a lot of people don't. But as far as uh, su the supplement use of it, you know, it's it's full of natural electrolytes uh, and also is a nitric oxide booster. So nitric oxide is the mechanism through which uh, blood moves throughout your body, um, that blood flow. So... I, what I do is I'll do like a pre-workout stack of a tablespoon of beetroot powder uh, and about eight to 10 grams of citrulline malate. Um, so both of those are nitric oxide boosters. And if you take that with a, with a shitload of water, like half an hour before you, before you work out, you're gonna get like, a, you'll, you'll start to feel warm uh, naturally even before you've done any movement. Um, and then when you do start doing the movements and, and lifting weights, the pump is unreal. You know, like your veins will stick out in your arms and, and also, you know, it's beneficial to blood flow in, uh, in the groin area. So if you, if you have any <laughs> erectile dysfunction problems, which some people do, that can be a good one to take um, as well. Um, so yeah, I like doing that before pre-workout as well as acetyl, acetyl carnitine, I think it's called, Alcar, um, is kind of a yeah. stimulanty kind of thing. It's not really, it won't affect sleep as much, but it really kind of keys you into focus. Uh, and I noticed the difference on that. So that's like my pre-workout stack is, is the beetroot, citrulline, Alcar, um, creatine, like you said, I kind of, I take post-workout because it's better absorbed into the body when you take it post-workout. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the, the big ones that I would say uh, that are important. If, if you don't want to spend heaps and, you know, get a, a thousand different supplements, those are the big ones that I know people will feel a difference with taking. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. That's uh, yeah. cool, man. I think we I think we covered it. I think we're, uh, that's a solid first podcast. Yeah. We're, we're about an hour yeah. in. And well, I, was, I uh, think this is going to be the first of many. Um, between us and you know whether you start a podcast or, or we appear on Soulcast again um is there anything you want to mention to promote i know you have your mailing list that people can get onto yeah it's, honestly just follow me on twitter yeah um at, at mike r medici m-i-k-e-r-m-e-d-i-c-i -E -E and 
you know, everything else will just, just kind of flows from there. I've, I've been doing in the, in the Twitter game for, I don't know, four years now, and I do all right. So, yeah. Uh, and D- DMs are always open. So, reach out with any questions or anything like that. Awesome, man. Uh, well, thanks for coming on the Soulcast. It was great to have you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess until next time.